Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. Alright, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Hopefully y'all should know by now that in this fourth season of Three Black Men, parent podcast of this here new living translation we talking all about liberation and in this third season of the new living translation as an extension of that we're talking about love as an act of liberation if there's any truth to the bible's assertion that god is love found in the letter that we now know is first john and i'm curious as to what love is How do we recognize it? What does it mean? And earlier this season, we talked about the fact that love is the commitment to wholeness. Not necessarily talking about feelings or this sense of attraction. We're talking about a commitment, a decision to be about the wholeness of the object of your love. I think if we don't have a clear idea of what love is, then it's real easy for people to say that they love something or someone and duck all accountability as to what that needs to look like. And so I've been chasing this idea of love through the Bible, combining that with this thesis I have, this hypothesis, if you will, that God is not just a God of love, but a God of liberation, wanting to see us free from the things that prevent us from the wholeness that God loves us into, the wholeness that God has designed us for. Here go the truth of the matter. Each and every one of us encounters something over the course of our life that stands between or wants to stand between us and our wholeness. That something can be a someone. More often than not, it's a something, a habit, or a way of being, a structure that we encounter, that we are almost born into half the time that doesn't serve us well that I think stands in between the good life that God has called you to the good life that God designed the world for sometimes that thing might be an ethos in a society or a culture in which shooting after shooting after shooting can happen in malls in churches in offices in schools in concerts, in festivals, in county fairs, whatever have you, and nothing changes except the amount of thoughts and prayers that are offered up on social media. That stands in the way of wholeness. That stands in the way of you being able to celebrate the life that God has called you to. It's one of them situations where I don't think the Bible speaks as clearly and resolutely as we would like it to but I think that the Bible does have a whole lot to say about this and so I would like to point to a time where God says nah I see what's going on I've heard the cries of the people even if the people in charge don't even if the government or the king or whoever thinks everything is fine and things are working out for them I have heard what's going on and I got something to say about it And so I want to spend some time today delving into one such text. It's a familiar story. Y'all done heard it before. 
but y'all ain't heard of Trey's later before. So without any further ado, I want y'all to meet me in Exodus chapter 3, where a man that plays a pretty big role in the Bible meets God. And everything after this takes a pretty interesting turn. We're going to have us some bona fide Bible talk about a burning bush and a wild mission. Now Moses was watching his pop-in-law's sheep. Pops was the priest of Midian. Moses had them sheep way out in the boonies and ended up out by God's mountain. God's angel showed up to Moses like a burning bush. But when Moses saw the bush, it was burning, but it ain't burned up. Moses was like, nah, this is trippy. Hell's on fire, but it ain't burning up. I'm gonna check this out. When God saw that Moses was checking the bush out, God called out to Moses from the middle of the bush. Like, hey, yo, Moses. Moses. Moses was like, uh, what's up? God said, stay over there. Don't come no closer. Get them shoes off your feet. You standing on holy ground. God kept talking. I'm your father's God. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. Moses was shook. He ain't want no smoke with God. So he hid his face. God said, Best believe I done seen how my people get impressed in Egypt. I heard him crying out because of how the man doing them. I know why they feel away. So I'm here to get them out of Egypt and bring them to a good spot. Big. With everything they need to live a good life. Check this out. The cries of the children of Israel done hit my inbox. I seen how Egypt been leaning on them. So come on. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so you can get my people out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, What I'm supposed to do with Pharaoh? Why are you sending me to the king of Egypt to get the children of Israel out of there? So God said, I'm going to be with you, and this is how you're going to know it's me. When you get my people out of Egypt, all y'all going to come back here to the same spot and worship. Moses said to God, Let's say I do go to the children of Israel. What I'm supposed to say to them? Your great-granddaddy God sent me to help y'all? They going to want to know who you are. You got a name? God said to Moses, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. That's what you tell the children of Israel. Tell them, I'll be sent you. God kept going. This is what you tell them, all the children of Israel. God, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob sent me to y'all. That's my name forever. That's how y'all remember me through time. Go get the old heads of Israel and tell them the God of their fathers came to you. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Tell them I met with you and I seen what's going down in Egypt. Tell them I said I'm going to bring them out of that hellscape to the land of the free peoples where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites is at. A good spot with everything they need to live a good life. They're going to listen to you. And then you and all of Israel's OGs go to the king of Egypt Tell them that the God of the Hebrews came to y'all. That y'all need to make a trip to make an offering to your God in the desert. But the king not going to let y'all go unless someone's strong and make them. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to hit the Egyptians with everything I need to. Miracles in front of your face. And after that, he going to let y'all go. 
And I'm going to make the Egyptians favor y'all. So much so that when y'all leave, y'all ain't finna leave, bro. Every woman among y'all going to ask a neighbor, whoever else around, for jewelry, clothes, and all that. And y'all kids going to rock it. Y'all going to tap Egypt's pockets on the way out of there. You know the wild part about this story to me is that God claimed to have heard the cries of the children of Israel, the cries of these people this whole time. And it seems the only thing that stopped this fact, this reality, that the God of these people was not only aware of their plight, but moved by their plight. The only thing that stopped the people from knowing that reality was that there was nobody to convey that reality. God just needed spokespeople. And God had to do wild things to even get the spokespeople's attention, right? Moses just out here chilling, doing his job, watching a flock of sheep or whatever for his father-in-law. And he notices this bush that's burning, but ain't burning up. It's on fire, but it's not dwindling like you would expect a bush to do in that circumstance. And it's in that moment, in noticing that one thing that don't quite seem right, Moses hears the voice of God. And God asks Moses to join with God in this crazy journey of bringing liberation, rest, to a people who are facing oppression, to a people who could not enjoy the wholeness that God had in store for them. Ain't it kind of interesting that originally the children of Israel ended up in Egypt as a blessing? They ended up in Egypt because... God loved them. God was committed to their wholeness. And as famine hit their homeland, God recognized that there was provision in Egypt. So God takes them to where the provision is and grants them favor through another representative, Joseph in that case. But things done changed a little bit. People done forgot who Joseph was, what Joseph did, who the children of Israel were. And now the children of Israel don't know no peace. They can't find peace joy. They can't find wholeness in this land of Egypt. And God hears their cries. God hears of their oppression. God knows of the weight that they carry because of this circumstance and is so committed to their wholeness that God seeks their liberation, looking for a representative, finding Moses. Moses said, what I'm supposed to do about that? Yeah, I know it stinks over there. That's why I'm out here. When I tried to do something about it the first time, people got mad at me because, yeah, I might have killed somebody, but they kind of had it coming. And now I'm over here. You trying to send me back to the place where I had to run from the first. God, is you tripping? Like, are you thinking straight, God? But the thing about God's commitment to our wholeness is that it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes it requires us doing things that seem wild. Things that seem like they might cost us the little bit of comfort we've been able to amass for ourselves. Because when we are committed to wholeness, wholeness can't be individual. It has to be communal. It has to be societal. Don't none of us know freedom until all of us know freedom. And so God calls us to join in this work, bringing freedom to the people whose cries have reached God's very ear. One of the things that always sticks out to me about this episode is that God doesn't mention the behavior of the children of Israel at all. God is not moved or seemingly concerned 
by whether or not they're following the right rules. All that God hears is their cries, the cries of a people who are being oppressed, being prevented from experiencing wholeness and freedom and liberation. As a matter of fact, if we follow this storyline through, liberation comes before the law. God cites the liberating activity as the foundation for the law. It is because I rescued you from Egypt that this is how you must live. And so when we think about what it means to worship God, when we think of God, whatever conduct is required of us has to be grounded in the fact that God is a liberator. And God's liberation is motivated by the kind of love that won't let God play the sidelines when people are crying out for wholeness and freedom. So when you meet God, God going to direct your attention toward the people who need lifting up. When you meet God, God will invite you to join in the work of love and liberation. Let me pray with you. Almighty God. We thank you for being moved by our cries. And we ask that as we sit in a world that seems as though it is on fire but is not yet consumed, that we might recognize your presence and accept your invitation to love people into liberty. In Jesus' name, amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, Black Men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar.